This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Open up in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're launching out from here. And we are continuing on the broad subject of the importance of oneness or the importance of being one in the move of God. And I am dealing with this section of biblical fellowship. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 reads Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And we launch out from this and we said that God is referring to something specific here. He's talking about his ordained method of oneness. And that does include biblical fellowship. And again, the idea is that two are better than one. Now, the point that I want to make sure that I get across to you is that once you have entered into Christ, you have been granted fellowship. You've been given this biblical fellowship and you need to know Wherever you are, whatever you've done, if you have accepted Christ, you are not alone. You are not on your own. God has provided fellowship for our help. And there are times when we will need help. Those are not the times to shy away from those who are in fellowship with you. That is the time to thank God for them and submit to what God has provided for you in that biblical fellowship. To do anything contrary will set you back. And again, I want to emphasize this. I I don't know if I spent time on this like I wanted to, uh, but I should have. But the idea there is, verse 9 again, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, Again, that's that's an interesting statement. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. He's saying from his standpoint, from his viewpoint of wisdom, he has seen people fall. But there's a difference when one falls alone than when one has others with them that they're walking together with in agreement with because they don't stay down long. And and the key to understand is that there is falling in our lives. Uh, Every day is not a sunshiny day. And I I want to make sure you understand, it is so easy to stay dry when there's no rain outside. But eventually there's going to be rain in the forecast. Eventually you're going to be caught outside. And in those times, you are not alone. This is very important for us to understand. And again, while it is dry outside, we may not be getting wet, but the wet days are coming. And you need to be equipped with this. And furthermore, he says, uh, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, that lets us know we have an enemy. 
if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. You know, the enemy may make inroads, but if you are in biblical fellowship, if you take advantage of that biblical fellowship, he will not prevail. And again, I want to make sure you understand this. The enemy wants you to think that you are all alone. The enemy wants to get you away from those who are walking in oneness with you. And the first thing he's going to do is get you isolated in your mind. He's going to get you alone in your mind. You can be here, but feel separate. This is where statements come like, you know, but, but you know, that church is for families. <laughs> That's the individual who is not married, who comes here and thinks, because I don't have anybody with me in my house with me. That, but that's the enemy playing games with your mind. And, and, and he's starting to get you to creep away from others. And he wants you there. And, and so when, when others hear that and they try to admonish you, no, no, no. Are we not your family? See, see that, that's you falling alone, but, but somebody's there to help pick you up. And we recognize that, you know what, the enemy's trying to prevail against you. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. I'm not going to let my sister fall alone. I'm not going to let my brother fall alone. I'm going to be there for you. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And on top of that, we went to Amos 3 and 3. You don't have to turn there, but we found out God made this outstanding rhetorical question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no. Two cannot walk together except they be agreed. And I want you to understand, walking together and being agreed that God is referring to is fellowship. He tells his people, you need to be in fellowship with me. Outside of, outside of fellowship with me, that's your destruction. That's why you have the trouble that you have. Because you're not walking agreed with me. And understand, when we walk agreed with God, God is not looking to agree with you. You have to search out his position and occupy his position. You have to agree with him. You have to get rid of your opinions. You've got to get rid of your prior learnings that contradict what he has said, what he is saying. You have to walk and agree with him. And again, God understands in the walk, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we falter. Sometimes we slip. But he understands. And he has provided us with fellowship that we can get back up and keep moving forward. And so when we talk about biblical fellowship, again, I want to emphasize this to you. We use the term fellowship. We may overuse it, and I'm not looking to change people's terminology, but I want you to see what true biblical fellowship is. And biblical fellowship means that we have unity. It means that we are in allegiance. It means that we are of the same persuasion. It means that we have been brought into a oneness by the sacrifice of Christ. It means that we prefer to keep company with one another, but that's an expression of sincere love and care one for another. We spend time talking about what it means to have unity. Uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 28. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, we said to be in unity means the absence of diversity. Again, I want to emphasize this. Once in Christ, our differences remain. But what happens is outside of Christ, our differences do something. Well, something happens in our heart because of our differences. And we allow those differences to separate us. And in fellowship, there's a removal of that. When we say, in fellowship, when we say the absence of diversity, that, that means to bring it into proximity, to bring it into closeness of those who are at one time separated in their own hearts and their own minds. And again, we, we can be separated for some of the dumbest reasons. We can be separated because of the shades of our skin. We can be separated because of what school we went to. We can be separated by what vehicle we drive. <laughs> some of the silliest stuff. This is why it is so damnable in church that we separate along any lines. It's damnable that we separate along political lines. Damnable that we separate along educational lines. Along social status. That is, that's not what Christ came to do. But now, in our differences, we have been brought together. Again, here's the thing. There's something that is greater than the differences. That makes us refuse to allow those differences to keep us separated. And you know what's greater? The blood of Christ is greater. <laughs> and that's the thing. That, that's, that's why we're together. In all honesty, you know, we, we talk on jobs. And in all honesty, if we did not walk, work with those people, we wouldn't be with those people. <laughs> and if we got a better job offer, we'd take it. We, we might, you know, we might shed a tear like, you know, I like working with you, but the only reason I knew you is because I work with you. But, but no, in Christ there's blood. And the blood of Christ makes me want you and desire to be around you and delight in you. And, and again, once that separation is removed, now we can submit to one another in love. Now can, God can call us and, yeah, amen, glory to your name. Again, just thinking back to a job and you train this individual and now they're your higher level and you keep saying, I trained them. You know, there's no such thing in Christ. <laughs> there's no such thing in Christ. You delight in those that you're able to invest in, to see them rise up and God promote them. And you don't care what it is they do. There's no competition in Christ because there's the absence of diversity. There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's no bond. There's no free. There's no male. There's no female. We're all one in Christ. Being unified allows us to submit to one another in love. See, once in Christ and there's the absence of diversity, as a female, I shouldn't be mad that God, Jesus Christ, only had males for the apostles of the Lamb. Amen. You know, it sounds silly to us because we're well, we're well informed. Uh, but this is some people's hang up. <laughs> people get hung up on that. You know, but, but in, again, you're not in competition. We all are equals in the eyes of the love of God. 
So it doesn't matter. You know, and some people have issues with whether or not... See, get over your hang-ups. They want to make Jesus white. You know Jesus wasn't white. In all honesty, I know he wasn't white, but in all honesty, what does it matter? And everyone wants, everyone wants to claim Jesus for their own. <laughs> Amen. I remember this said once, and I'll say it here now. It was funny, but it's so, so true. Even if he was white, he died for your black behind. <laughs> Salvation is still valid no matter what race. But, but those are changed on your mind. And if we're going to walk together and be agreed with God, we've got to get rid of those chains. Then we can have unity. It means that we have, we are in allegiance. You know, I'm not finished with that. Turn to, there's some scriptures I did not get to. Turn to Acts chapter 10. I didn't get to that earlier today. I'm not going to do the same thing. Acts chapter 10. And once you find Acts chapter 10, also turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Just in a way, a quick review. These scriptures help me review. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off. Uh, do you catch that? There was a distance between us and God. <laughs> Again, this is the thing about it. While we try to separate ourselves, there was a greater divide between us and God. And here's the thing about it. If anyone should be able to separate, I don't want to have, and separate and say, I don't have, want to have anything to do with you, it should have been God. Because there's a true divide between us and the holiest of all. But now in Christ Jesus... You who sometimes were far off are made nigh. <laughs> Bring into proximity. Bringing into closeness those who are one time separated. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, the blood of Christ is greater than that which separated us. For he is our peace, who hath made both one. Oh, did you get that? He is our peace. He has made the two one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, this is in reference to the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews say, God gave us the law and look at what he gave you. He didn't give you nothing. And so, therefore, we are better than you. But that was a chain on their mind. And God said, let me show you something. With your law, are you any closer to me? than they are who don't have the law. You're all separated. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, there was a time when, when uh, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, you know what, you see what happened to the Galileans, how Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices. He said, what? Do you think that these were the chief of the sinners of the Galileans because they died so? He says, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You're all separated from God unless you repent. You're all divided. You're all far off. You need something greater to bring you close. And so God had to deal with the Jews and say, why do you think you're better than the Gentiles when your sin is just as bad as theirs? With or without the law. But to show you what I am interested in, I'm breaking down that which separates. 
and I'm going to do it by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't care whether or not they got the law or they didn't get the law. As long as they have Christ, you're all one. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace. Never forget that. We're going to concentrate more and more on that as we keep going forward. He is our peace. Who hath made both one. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now over to Acts chapter 10. Verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Yeah, let that sink in. Remember, we have to walk agreed with God. We have to be on the same page with God. Peter says, You know what? I found God's page. I found where I need to walk. I found the attitude I need to have. I found out that God is no respecter of persons. Oh my goodness. Oh, here we go. So God is not talking about people of different races getting married saying, Now why didn't they pick somebody of their own race? Okay, that went over like, I don't know what he's talking about because we don't talk like that. We don't even think like that. No, he's not talking about who's dating who. <laughs> and so Peter said, you know what? I've got to get on the same page with God. I advise you to get on the same page with God. Again, the funny thing about it is God will do stuff like that. Because God doesn't care about your preference because he doesn't care what page you're on. He only has his own page. And the very self-same people you have an issue with are the people he's going to send for your help. For your provision. When you cry out to God, God help me, he's going to send out his hand to you and it's going to be the very same individual. You say, but, but, but wait, wait a minute now. I don't want that blood flowing in my vein. No, no. Those are going to be the people he sends for your transfusion. <laughs> he's going to send them with the organs you need and you've been waiting for. <laughs> and you're going to come to this conclusion. You know what? I need to get on the same page with God because I want to live. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation. I like that again, in every nation. You see, I'm taking my time because I want this to get in you. He says, in every nation. I don't care if you're from South America or Central America. I don't care if you're from Central America or North America. I don't care if you're from North America or Europe. I don't care if you're from Europe or Asia. I don't care if you're from the continent of Africa. I don't care if you're from Australia. In every nation, the standard's the same. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. To come into this fellowship means we have unity. It means that we are in allegiance. Philippians chapter 2, still reviewing. Philippians chapter 2. We heard this before. Well, you're going to hear it again. That's what a good father does. Philippians chapter 2. I'm so tired of hearing you said it before. Yeah, I'm going to say it until it's in you. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This is called allegiance. That's why I said, this means I can count on you and you can count on me. It means that we're loyal and devoted one to another. Again, loyalty means I'm not going to take destructive material against you and use it to your hurt. I'm not going to use it to your harm. And when I'm devoted to you, I'm willing to suffer, to suffer sacrifice for your betterment and for your good. I'm willing to go without that you might have. That's allegiance. That's what we have in fellowship. Those who are one with you, those who are in allegiance with you. They're loyal. They're devoted. It means we're of the same persuasion. Again, Acts 10 and 35 says, But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's the standard. That's the conviction. That's our persuasion. We fear God. We keep His commandments. We work righteousness. Again, I want to make sure you understand. I mentioned those five things. It's not one or the other. All of these five make a biblical fellowship. <laughs> so it's to have unity, it's to be in allegiance, it's to be of the same persuasion. And it it means to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. Now turn to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Chapter 2 of the book of Acts. We're going to look at verse 42. Now this is after the day of Pentecost had fully come. This is when the Holy Spirit was given on the earth. The other com- the, the, another comforter has come. And now the body of Christ, the church, has been instituted in the earth. And this is a reference to the church. Verse 42 says, And they, that being the church, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's what they continued in. They continued in fellowship. That's why we're talking about biblical fellowship now. Because it is for us. It is for the church. But when you look at that word fellowship, that Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia. We know it as communion. So when they continued in biblical fellowship... They continued in communion. And when we're in communion, we're sharing. We have an intimate association in communion. Okay? 
Now, if you will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So in this fellowship, in biblical fellowship, we have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. Now when we come together, we as a church do it on the first Sundays of every month. When we take communion together, which is to signify our fellowship one with another. But we don't have fellowship one with another if there's no sacrifice of Christ. Verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the fellowship? Is it not the koinonia? Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the fellowship? Is it not the koinonia? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The bread, the body, the wine, the blood. The blood, the body, the sacrifice of Christ. The only reason, get this together, just like we, I said, the only reason we know those folks work is because we work together. The only reason we're tied together is Christ. He's it. He's the reason why we are together. Now, if you walk away from Christ, it's not like getting another job. <laughs> but as long as you're with Christ, guess who you're with as well. <laughs> Amen. Might as well love the one you're with. <laughs> the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all, see we share in this communion. We are all partakers of that one bread. Fellowship is to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. Look at this in chapter 6. Verse 17. Just that one scripture. Verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord. Have you been joined to the Lord? Do you profess him as your Lord? Do you profess him as your Savior? Well, you've been joined to him. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now, now let me tell you this. To sleep with the same individual among many of us is nasty. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that is nasty. But for us all to drink of the same spirit is glorious. <laughs> amen. Glory to your name. We are all drunk of the same spirit. But, as, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. I'm one with that spirit. You're one with that spirit. We're all tied together by the sacrifice of Christ. We've been brought into this oneness. Keep your ribbon there. And turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. This is so important, people. Hebrews chapter 10. Because again, I want to get us out of the mindset that just because we come together and have Bibles in our hands, that makes it a fellowship. No, 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 no. It's the blood of Christ. It's got to tie us together. If we're not tied together by the blood of Christ, we don't have fellowship. There's no oneness among us. 
Biblical fellowship must be us having oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse number 8. Let's read verse 8 through 10. Above, when he said, this he being Christ, when he said, sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified. Glory to your name. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. By the which will, again, I got to read this again from verse 8. Above when he said, this is Christ talking. Again, Christ sees the fellowship before him. And he, this is what he has in mind before he signs up to come and take on the penalty of your sin. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, You know what you need? Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. See, that's him taking the middle wall of partition down. <laughs> Amen. He's taking away the law, because through the law we could not attain unto the righteous requirements. He says, So you don't want sacrifice and offerings. That won't do the trick. You need something that is stronger. You need something that is greater. And by the which will, we are sanctified. We are sanctified because He came. We are sanctified because He laid down His life. Glory. Never forget that, people. That's why you're sanctified. You're not sanctified because you know more scripture than somebody else. You're not sanctified because you're a member of Church of Living Water. You're sanctified because He came. Because He died. Because He laid down His life to bring you into the fellowship. By the which will, and I like this word, we, not just you. By the which will, we, not just you. And I know how we say, he came and died just for me. You know, he came and died for this world. Amen. See, again, the enemy wants to get in your mind. It's all about you. It's only you. No, no, you've been brought into a fellowship. You know, you know where we've come from? Some of us have come from places where we were at a time without a local fellowship. And without that local fellowship, I'm going to tell you right now, you were without biblical fellowship. Ooh, boy. That is something else. Because biblical fellowship is only found in the local church. And you know how you floundered as a Christian? Being away from a local church. But then you found the place where God wanted you to be. And what a difference it made in your life. Mm. Jesus died that we might have this biblical fellowship. And it is so good <laughs> to be in biblical fellowship. Two are better than one. <laughs> now turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
starting at verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rebellious, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Just say amen. And such were some of you. You can deny it all you want to, but in such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, we have a oneness. What's our oneness? We've all been scrubbed. We've all been scrubbed, people. <laughs> We've all had to be sanctified. We didn't come out the womb clean. We were covered with sin. <laughs> and Christ has cleaned us all up. See, here's the thing about it. You know, I, I hear people say, you know what, you don't know my testimony. Yes, I do. <laughs> I may not know the details, but I know your testimony. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were some of extortioners and effeminate and abusers of those with mankind. You were adulterers. You were fornicators. But you've been washed. Oh, I hear David say, purge me with the hyssop. Wash me and I'll be clean. I hear God say, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, once I get through washing you, they'll be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. Wash me, God. But the washing required the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, this, this is why it is so important. This is where the absence of diversity comes from. Who am I? I'm the clean that have gotten cleansed, not by my own works, but according to His mercy, according to His kindness, according to His great grace and His love wherewith He has loved us. I do not deserve it, but it's by grace and not by works. Because I couldn't earn it. So again, how can I separate from you when I needed cleaning just like you needed cleaning? How is it we're going to be of different persuasions when I got cleaned up like you got cleaned up? And here's the thing. Stay with the one who cleans you. Stay with the one who cleans you. Because you can go back out and get dirty again. See, but that's why we have the same persuasion. No, I'm through with that. When you say you're through with that, here it is. People in their foolishness will say, well, yeah, that confession, watch he fall. You know what? I'm not planning to fall. But if I do, I have an advocate. And I have an advocate because I'm in biblical fellowship. And I recognize where my oneness comes from. He has to clean me. I can't do it on my own. That's why I needed a Savior to begin with. Because such... Was I. But I've been sanctified. What is, I've been legitimized. <laughs> I've been cleansed. I've been purged. He's now beautifying me. He's now sanctifying me. 
Oh, I love it. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. You are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. This is why. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We reference this when we take our communion. And we talk about this all the time. When we take communion, we're supposed to be remembering. One of the things we should be remembering is we've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And because we have a oneness through the sacrifice of Christ, verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, even the communion, tarry one for another. See, that's fellowship talk. See, because in Christ, we shouldn't have our mind on selfishness and what he's done for me alone. He's done it for us all. And we all have a share. So to have fellowship means to have unity, to be in allegiance, to be of the same persuasion, to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. It means that we keep preferred company with one another. We keep preferred company with one another. It's an expression of sincere love and care for each other. I'm not trying to get away from you. I'm not trying to hide from you. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. Somebody may be, but I'm not. Because I want to stay in biblical fellowship. And in biblical fellowship... I find this. I love to be with you. I really do. Now, again, this is an amazing thing. If you don't love to be with the brethren, if you don't love to be with the brethren, I'm going to try to say this as nicely as I can. Uh, you are not believing the truth. Amen. Amen. I'm saying it as nice as I can. That's that's the nice version. If you're trying to avoid the brethren, oh, they're getting together, you know, oh my goodness, there's brother so-and-so. You know, why would you try to hide from those you share oneness in through the sacrifice of Christ? Oh, you know what? You know why? Because you're Cain and they're Abel. Oh, you know, you didn't understand that? Okay, first John. <laughs> Sorry. First John. First John, chapter three. Verse 11 and 12. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. We're going to go to that message shortly. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one. Oh, no, 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 no. You didn't catch that, did you? Not the love of Cain, because Cain was of that wicked one. And Cain slew his brother 
And wherefore slew he him? You want to know why he slew him? First of all, because Abel came to Cain and Cain didn't go to Abel. Now, you're still not getting it. Cain tried to avoid Abel. Why? Because Cain wasn't of the same persuasion as Abel. Because Cain was another mindset that he needed to fear God and work righteousness. And Abel was of the persuasion, you need to fear God and work righteousness. And so Cain avoided Abel at every chance he got. And because Abel stayed on him, Cain, being of the wicked one, slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because Cain's own works were evil. And his brother Abel's was righteous. That's the only reason why you would avoid the fellowship. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, people, but I'm going to peep your hand. When we don't see you for a while, among the local fellowship, after we've seen you for a while with the local fellowship, you have walked away from righteousness. I know, I know. You see, see, here you are. Here you are. You think you're hearing from man when God is speaking to you right now. You know, God dealt with Cain. He says, why has your countenance fallen? Why have you changed your righteous habits? Is it not because sin is at the door? And this is why when we don't see you, we're praying. We're seeking God on your behalf. We're calling. We're texting. What's going on? Because we're able. We will not sit back idly and settle for you to be king. See, see, but that's biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship goes after the canes among us. And Cain doesn't like it and says, stop calling. But our love restrains us. And we've got to until you tell us, don't anymore. Amen. And let me tell you this. Never close the door on God. Oh, never close the door on God. Leave that door open. If nothing else, get in this mindset. If you don't want to talk, say thank you for calling. Don't discourage them from ever calling again. Don't discourage them from ever texting again. You want to leave a door open for God. <clears throat> See, because they prefer to be with you and they prefer to have you in the fellowship. They, again, that's the hand of God coming for you to pull you up out of the ditch that you're in. When I minister these things, I recognize this. That I, at times, will speak to people who are in their comfort. And so in their comfort, this message doesn't mean the same thing as in the days of their discomfort. But I guarantee you, just like we saw in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, there's somebody who's trying to prevail against you. And your days of discomfort will come. And in those days, remember God's word now. That it's my hand it is those who prefer your company because they're in biblical fellowship and I don't want to lose you and so I have you in biblical fellowship with them and they're coming after you. And that's the extension of God's love. That's the benefits 
of biblical fellowship. Because what are you if you are alone and nobody comes after you? Nobody texts you. Nobody calls you. Nobody comes by. Woe to you. Turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Now in John chapter 13, the hour is at hand. What Jesus came to do, he's about to do. He's about to be handed over for the crucifixion. And he knows his hour is at hand. And so we are brought into some of his final discourse with the apostles of the Lamb. And you understand that if he's about to leave them, He's going to give them what they need to stay with. He's going to make sure that they hear the things that are vital. Not that he ever wasted any words. But now that the hour has come, he's going to put something in them that he wants to make sure that they remember. John chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35. No, 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 I'm sorry. Start at verse number 1. John 13, verse number 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Let me read that again. Because this is marvelous. He knows his time is about up. And he loves them until the end. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. If there's ever a time he thinks, you think that he ought to have himself on his mind, this is the time. I'm about to offer up my life for you. I'm about to do you a solid. He doesn't put himself first. He's in allegiance. (laughs) Telling you, this that we're talking about is not just for us. It has been made possible by Christ Jesus, and He is our example. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Now, jump over to verse 34. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give unto you, that ye love one another. Now, let me stop. And let me remind you of our persuasion. That in every nation, they that fear God and work righteousness, that is, keep His commandments, are accepted with Him. So Jesus said, now, if you're a member of the fellowship, 
You're going to be of this persuasion. You're going to keep my commands. And a new command I give unto you, that ye love one another. As hard as you make it for me, as trying as you make it for me, as difficult as you make it for me, I'm persuaded that the sufferings of this present time, your difficulties and your challenges, how you make it hard on me, how you work every nerve that I possibly have, those sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. So I'm going to keep this commandment. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to love you. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's why I read verse number one. In the hour of his passion, in the hour when he was laying down his life, when the hour he was putting his life on the line, when he was laying it down, he loved them until the end. Oh, are you starting to see this now? This represents the people God has placed you with. Oh, sorry, this is, this is outstanding. God has put you among people. When you don't, they do. <laughs> God has made provision for you, even though you don't always keep His commands. You're the one making it hard for somebody else. Oh, no, I didn't get an amen on that one, but I'll say amen for you. Amen. You're the one making it a challenge for somebody else. Amen, amen. You're the one who's making it difficult and trying for other people. Amen, amen, amen. But God has put you in a fellowship with others are of the persuasion. I don't care how hard you make it for me. I'm still going to love you. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Glory. <laughs> Here we are. God, I want your word, but I don't want those people. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do, because two are better than one. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Again, I want to emphasize this. Now, we're not reading all of John 13, but in John 13, he washes the disciples' feet. And he says, now, now you see, you call me Master and Lord, and you say right, but if I'm Master and Lord, wash your feet, how should you treat one another? Verse 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Love is what he wanted left on their minds. Do you hear him saying, do you hear, put all this together. Don't you dare separate. Don't you go back to those things that kept you and bonds in your mind and separated one from another. See, because in all, they weren't all hanging together. Not before Christ. But after Christ has entered in, now suddenly they're a tight-knit group. Now they're a strong fellowship. And he says, now that I'm gone, stay with the fellowship. Stay with the love. Stay with the care one for another. Don't start, don't start looking for who's going to be the greatest. Don't start looking for who's going to have the best seat. 
just love one another. <laughs> In the time when Timothy is sitting there doubting, go love Timothy. I mean, Thomas. I'm sorry, Thomas. Go love Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is hard-headed sometimes. A new commandment I give you. Because <laughs> Jesus is saying, now you know how hard-headed you were when I taught you sometimes, but didn't I love you until the end? Peter, you know I had to tell you, get, be, get thee behind me, Satan, but didn't I still love you? I had to correct you, but didn't I love you? Fellowship is keeping preferred company one with another. It's an expression of sincere love and care for each other. I'm sorry, I've got to go here. He's saying, don't get new associations. No, 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 you've got to understand what I mean by that. He's not saying don't go congregate with other people. He's saying if you do, bring them in. But don't leave to associate with somebody else. I believe I have this in my notes. Fellowship is the beginning of a strong infrastructure. It's the beginning of a strong infrastructure. Where the, participa- where the participants aren't there out of necessity. It's the beginning of a strong infrastructure. Now, I'm, I don't want to teach infrastructure. That's not what I'm talking about. But I want you to kind of grasp what I'm talking about uh, when I say this. When you think infrastructure, think community. Think city, right? Your city has an infrastructure. That infrastructure helps you maintain your way of life. Helps you maintain a certain standard of living. Infrastructure would include means to get water to you. That's an important part of our infrastructure as a city. Infrastructure would include having paved roads to drive on. So we can get from place to place. Infrastructure would include electricity because it is so integrated into our life today that we need electricity. We need lights. You know, infrastructure would not be cable, even though some of you think so. Or cell phones. But, but uh, it's talking about the, the minimum necessities of life so we can live and keep a certain lifestyle maintained. Now, we are a special people in this biblical fellowship. Just like he's dealing with the apostles. And he says, don't separate. Love one another. Because the world is not for you and you're not for the world. So you have a community within yourselves. And as a community within ourselves, we need certain things to maintain a righteous lifestyle. Oh, glory to your name. Church, I really want you to understand this. Churches die because they never establish an infrastructure. What would an infrastructure be for us? Now, understand this. Infrastructure for us would be both natural and spiritual. <laughs> See, in the infrastructure, we are providing one for another. See, because when you think of the infrastructure of a city, everybody benefits from the infrastructure. Everybody in that community, everybody in that city benefits from that infrastructure. 
You know, it's a good thing that when you get sick, even to the point of needing or accounting it an emergency, you don't have to drive 30 miles to get to a hospital. Critical becomes, well, you just don't even worry about it. (laughs) See, these things are vital for our way of life. So it is among us as people in biblical fellowship. We should not depend on the world for our needs. Because the world would put us in bondage. If we were dependent upon the world, they could pass laws and regulate what we minister. (laughs) Amen. They could. You know, they they, they try to strap us down as it is. uh, But as long as... See, here's, here's the thing about infrastructure, right? Don't you be discouraged by how long it takes us to save up that we might get our own property. Now, if you be discouraged, be discouraged by disobedience. Now, if it takes us a long time because you're disobedient, yeah, be discouraged. That's on you. But I would rather take a long time with those who do it from their heart. And a short time than those who aren't sincere. And you see, because the thing is, those who do it out of necessity will do it for a short time. But they won't maintain. You know, even in all the things that we do, you know, we, we need certain things just to have a service. And we need people to fill roles for the services. And in certain places, they've got to pay people to do, get those things done. That's not a strong infrastructure. But when people are participating out of love, volunteering, not needing to be paid, not needing to be recognized, that is the beginning of a strong infrastructure. You see, because necessity will allow people who hate one another to get along for a certain amount of time. But it won't last long. You know, a part of our infrastructure would be there should always be a teaching priest among us. Oh, no, did you get... Our infrastructure should include... Training the younger generation. Establishing things whereby there will always be a means of transition. But that's what I mean when I say fellowship is the beginning of a strong infrastructure. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Again, fellowship, I'm going back to how we use the term. Uh, So when I make the statement, you know, we use that term fellowship. is not necessarily about what we do. Uh, Do you hear me? It's not necessarily about what we do. I'm talking about keeping preferred company with one another. And it's not necessarily about how many people do it with us. When we do what we do, it's about who we are with. That's what it's about. <laughs> oh, don't be discouraged. Again, I, I want to encourage you. Keep your eyes on Christ. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. You know, because people will look and say, man, we don't have the same numbers we had, say, three years ago. Who cares as long as we're with the right people? <laughs> and see, because our infrastructure might be that we can't do the grand things that some church that has a lot of funds coming in can do. So it's not necessarily about what we do, but it's about who we're with. See, we're, people, we're with people of the same persuasion who are going all the way in spite of the noise. 
We are people who recognize that they've been washed. They've been sanctified. They've been justified. We're with people who are obeying the Lord Jesus Christ even when we make it difficult for them and they love us anyhow. It's more about who you're with. You want to be with Jesus and those who are with Him. You want to be with Jesus and those who are in Him. Because two are better than one. That's when two are better than one. Not outside of that. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse... Um, 16. Now, the last word of verse 15 is Christ. And that's the lead-in into verse 16. Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. The whole body are those in biblical fellowship. And Christ, from Him, the whole body, all of us in biblical fellowship are fitly joined together and compacted. Think about that. We're compacted. You know what that means? It means we're brought tighter and tighter and tighter together. Wow. Because you have to understand, this fellowship is... I want to go back. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Remember what God means by walk. He means a continual, sustained, effective, successful relationship together. He doesn't mean a short time. He means now and forever. So our fellowship is continual. Our fellowship is ongoing. Our walk is continual. And the more we walk, as we abide in this fellowship will be compacted. And this is important. And how are we compacted? By that which every joint supplies. You're a joint. I'm a joint. You've got something to contribute. You make a difference among us. And as you give up yourselves as you remain loyal, as you remain devoted, as you remain in allegiance, then you contribute and we become a tighter-knit group. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Oh, you know, I know this is a mouthful. I know it's a mouthful. But look at verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Oh, let me tell you about this biblical fellowship. Once you're in biblical fellowship, it is the beginning of a strong infrastructure and God supplies grace that you might have an effectual part. No, no, that's the infrastructure right there. See, that's the infrastructure. Once you are compacted, once you are committed, once you give yourself to this biblical fellowship, God provides a measure. 
And that measure of grace. This is why I, I want to emphasize to you, you know, God is still in the calling business. God is still calling men and women to work in his vineyard. He's calling them to roles and responsibilities spiritually in the midst of us. It is God in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And let me tell you, once you're on assignment of God, nothing else matters. And it's a sweet spot to be. It's a sweet place to be. Instead of sitting there wondering, you know, what's my part? What's my play? What's my role? Give yourself to the fellowship. Love to be with a brother. Give yourself to the same persuasion. (laughs) Give yourself to allegiance. Remind yourself of the oneness we have with one another. And then fellowship will put us in position so that every joint can supply with effectual working. And again, I want to make sure you understand this. You are the benefactor of this. I'm trying to think of how to get this together. God's fellowship is a well-oiled machine to supply you for your need in the time of your need. No, you're missing it. You see, we'll say he's a very present help in the time of trouble. How does he help us? He helps us through the fellowship. Now, you're still not understanding me. You know, people will come here and they'll be so thankful for the word because the word made a difference in their life. That word came because a joint supplied. That word came because he gave a measure. And that measure in place among the fellowship was effectually working. And that effectual working was God all along working behind the scenes to deliver to you what you needed in the time that you needed it. (laughs) See, that's biblical fellowship. See, that's two are better than one. (laughs) And again, what I want to make sure you understand is that you have been brought into this fellowship. It is for you and you are needed so it can be for somebody else as well. And I'm going to end with that. I can't really get started with anything else. We're about to go over to First John, but I'm going to have to end with that. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.